the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org, in partnership with Abbott. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. It is Diabetes Awareness Month, and diabetes is... I would describe it as the um, greatest epidemic of our time. It is rampant. And one of the biggest complications is peripheral artery disease. It's those blocked arteries in mainly the legs that left untreated, they could lead to amputation. Today, we have a very special guest. Um, We are focusing on our Save My Piggies um, special with with this one featuring Sally Hendricks. He is a PAD patient. He is diabetic, and he is an amputee as well. And he is going to share his journey from patient to patient advocate, hoping to inspire others to live a better quality of life and to improve the care in South Africa. So this is going to be an extraordinary show, John, really inspiring. And I think it's going to be powerful to hear his journey and what he's doing to improve care over in South Africa. Uh, Yeah, Kim, uh, number one, uh, happy Saturday. I I know you were busy at Viva, as was I. Um, But yeah, so we... November's uh, Diabetes Awareness Month. I'm just going to give you a couple of statistics, which you probably know. But if you look at a pie chart, um, over half of that pie chart is filled with people. This is in the United States, adults, with folks that either have diagnosed diabetes, undiagnosed diabetes, which makes up about 14-ish percent of the population. And then about one in three or 38 percent or so of folks have prediabetes. And the vast majority of those folks know they don't have it. So prediabetes means your blood sugars are high, but not high enough uh, to be uh, diagnosed with diabetes. And a, a lot of those folks do ultimately turn into diabetics. And so to your point, this is something that we can actually get our arms around and prevent if we if we get enough awareness, get folks to exercise and change their diets. So um, this is going to be a great show. And I love the fact that Speaking of arms, we have that reach across um, not only the country, but, you know, the Atlantic Ocean and and into uh, another continent. So super, super stoked to talk uh, about uh, about uh, Sally and his his journey from a Save My Piggies angle. And to be cliche, I mean, diabetes and PAD, it knows no borders, right? It's everywhere. Yeah, very true. It's something that collectively we all need to come together. And in fact, there's a conference going on over in South Africa 
uh, today, actually through the weekend, in which Dr. Ian Wilson from New York, there was also a doctor from Yale University. He's one of the professors there and a physician as well. I believe he's an interventional radiologist. Actually, both of them are. And they're there educating other doctors in South Africa on how to uh, perform advanced limb salvage techniques. And so it's really inspiring that the world is coming together. And they can find, if anyone missed, we did a live uh, interview with some of the folks there in South Africa at this conference earlier this morning. And that's live. It's on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash the way to my heart. Awesome. Awesome. So I think we need to get into Sally Hendricks' story because I know he has a lot to say, and it's such an incredibly inspiring journey. But first, I think it's time for a moment of inspiration from you. Dr. John Phillips' spectacular, vascular moment of inspiration. Tom Hanks has, has diabetes. He's there, there are a lot of folks that have diabetes, and we talked about this before, right? Raising awareness often means that you have um, somebody who's kind of on a pedestal that can kind of share the message and, and speak to the masses, and clearly Tom Hanks uh, can, can do that. And so I found a, I was looking for a quote uh, from him, and this is kind of talking about being patient. And so I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he, somebody had asked him about um, having patience with something, I think uh, filming a movie or something. But he says, you know, if you feel bad right now, this too shall pass. If you feel anger, this too shall pass. If you feel great, this too shall pass. So this too shall pass, meaning time is your ally. And if nothing else, just wait, just wait it out. And I heard this when he was given an interview and and there's a lot of truth to that. Like if you wait, usually things kind of work themselves out. Now it may not be how you initially thought it was going to work out, but it works itself out usually. So have patience. Time is your ally. Just wait and just wait it out. I don't know, but time is tissue in this case. True, true. But so my, (laughs) It is time. Time. Time is tissue. Time is muscle. Don't necessarily you know, wait I'm out. So, no, I, know, I was going to say I, that. I, 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 that was kind of like I threw you a softball there. But but to your point though, right? Don't wait on a wound. Um, right. But but just have patience, I guess. And things usually work them. So let's 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 call it this way. Wait on. You have a patient who's worried about some a diagnosis, and uh, wait on Kim to help you find maybe another physician that could help you, or wait on you know that other that second opinion, or or you know just again. Have patience. Have patience. And I, I think that that's also incredibly true to to your point in a sense that if you, there's so much that patients can do to improve their own health when it comes to diabetes and comes to peripheral artery disease, lifestyle modifications are the number one treatment for PAD and for diabetes. But it doesn't happen overnight. So, for example, with my dad and his arteries and his blockages and his pre-diabetes, it took him several months to get his A1C to turn around. And it took him literally more than a year for that to reflect in his actual plaque in his arteries. He still had 8% growth in plaque over the first year in, in, in offering these, having these dietary and, you know, changes and improving his exercise. But then after that, yes, you need to have patience. You need to stick with it. You need to trust the process. It will happen. 
When it comes to walking, it takes, what, six to eight weeks for those collateral vessels to start showing up and to start really dilating and improving your symptoms. So you might you might go out walking today and you might go, okay, where are my collateral vessels? You need to have patience. Right. right. And you just, as they say, uh, the a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Take the step and then take the next step and then the next step and then you'll get there. But to your point, and that, that's a great analogy. I really like that because no, this stuff doesn't occur overnight. You yeah. can't get your A1C down. You can't get, you know, you can't lose the 20 pounds that you want. But if you stick with it, trust the process, be um, be a, be a light for those who, who need help, but also be willing to absorb something from somebody else, like the weight of my heart or say my piggies or, or things of that nature. So trust the process. Yes. Like and it. we're going to get Sally Hendricks story his response to trusting the process. When we come back right here, Heart of Innovations, Save My Piggy Special. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is The Heart of Innovation's Save My Piggies special. And since it's Diabetes Awareness Month, we have a very special guest on this episode, it's Sally Hendricks. He is a diabetic, also a peripheral artery disease patient, but even more than that, he's such an incredible advocate fighting for life and limb of others throughout South Africa. And I wanted to bring him on the show to share his journey from being a patient to becoming a very powerful patient advocate on the on that continent. So it's amazing. Welcome to the show, Sally. Thank you so much for your courage and your perseverance and your inspiration and in coming on the show today. Ah, Kim, thanks for that introduction. I really appreciate it. And um, I'm just feeling overwhelmed with uh, all the attention that I'm getting now at this moment. But um, let me rather start off. You know, um, being born into a diabetic family. Um, was something I did not ask for. My mother and father were both type 2 diabetics. And not knowing what my journey would actually lie forth in the years to come. And coming from both parents being type 2, um, I was the only one that actually um, was diagnosed 
as a type 1. But before the type 1 diagnosis, I was diagnosed at the age of 12 with diabetes insipidus. And I think John can also relate to that because it was explained to me in quick terms of it's a organ diabetes. And because of a nosebleed that could not stop, my blood pressure was very high. And it took them about three hours to actually stop the bleeding. And the diagnosis was that, um, to my understanding that time, they just said there's something wrong with your hormones, you know. And being at the age of 12, I didn't understand what they were speaking about. Um, so being diagnosed with diabetes insipidus, um, it is not mellitus. And um, I just thought to myself, let me rather just go with everything and accept everything. And um, for four years, um, I suffered with insipidus, diabetes insipidus, and they gave me treatments for uh, hormonal treatment, no incidents or anything. And at the age of 17, I collapsed at college, my first day at college, and it was quite embarrassing rushed me to hospital, and when I woke up after all the tests, um, my doctor, Professor Keaton, told me that I am now a diabetic, and, um, but a, in the line of the mellitus. So I've become a type 1 diabetic. And yeah, so Sally, can I just uh, interrupt for just one second? Cause, no, no, um, go, go ahead. You know, so, so diabetes, there's you know, a couple of types, there's type one and type two, type one, basically you just, the pancreas isn't making the insulin and, you know, you need insulin, like full blown insulin type two often develops more. So those folks develop or, you know, those are kids that get it. And then type two kind of develops more oftentimes later in life where you become, have some insulin resistance, you're still making it. And often times with type two diabetes, you can, stave off the need for insulin um you can make some changes in your lifestyle and and you can kind of uh, potentially push back a little bit but a type 1 boom you need insulin the rest rest of your life diabetes insipidus is a little bit different uh and and really those are folks that have a lot of what we call uh, extreme thirst uh, they're peeing a lot so polydipsia polyuria uh, and that typically has to do more with some hormone changes in the brain and causing you to 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 have have uh, that 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 issue but ultimately right i mean you require insulin correct yeah um, i require insulin and uh, that was from the age of 17 and um my treatment actually continued from there but because of the kidney issues that I had, I had to actually go on to a high blood pressure tablet to actually control the pressure of my kidneys. And um, my kidney uh, functionality was always between, say, 45, 55, 65%. And um, that's when my journey actually started as a diabetic uh, with mellitus. And um, I actually took care of myself right through until the age of, we can say, 21, 22. And suddenly, 
I went into denial. And I wanted to live as a normal person, you know, eating the chocolates, the cookies, going to parties, and not knowing what damage the high levels of sugar actually um, how it progresses through your body, you know, um, you, your, your veins and your arteries um, gets affected, organs get affected, and um, still being in denial, I mean, at the age of 25. When well, so, but, but Sally, I mean, you, you at the age of 12, you have a diagnosis that is clearly going to change your life, and it's going to require... Who I have a four, I have a fourteen year old son, eleven year old daughter, among others, and and they're kind of mature, but not really, and that's a that's a big pill to swallow. And so, I, I imagine it's very difficult to tackle this disease on your own, and then not only kind of come to terms with it, but also change your lifestyle, change how you interact, you know, with your friends because they're probably eating things you shouldn't be eating. Share a little bit of what that, that, and then I think the other question that that we're going to ask maybe when we get to the after the break. But I'm curious as to how this works in South Africa, and maybe it's the same as the U.S. with respect to diagnosis and treatment. Um, but yeah, let's let's let you continue. Yeah. Um, you know, at that age, um, say for example, between twelve and I mean, you just started, uh, which I say at the high school. And um, you try to hide everything because you constantly, like insipidus, you're thirsty, you're urinating a lot, you're tired, you can't participate in sports. So you always find that bunch of children that makes fun of you. So their stigma actually comes in. And um, because I was a little bit of, on the chubby side, they always called me... Um, you know, names, um, oh, you can't do this or that because um, you're overweight. And because of the hormone treatment, my body, and also reaching the age of puberty, it went through a lot of changes. And um, mentally, as a growing child, I could not cope. There, there were so many things that went through um, my body changing, um, me being on high school, um, it was mentally draining. And I became, I, I actually withdrew myself from a lot of um, activities, sports, um, my friends going um, on little hikes or walks or children that actually uh, went on um, excursions. I always had to stay at home on the days of those um outings, as to say. And um, it was actually hard. But my acceptance for, for diabetes, mellitus at the age of 17, and my diagnosis of diabetes insipidus um, came that I knew that my mother, my father, um, you know, my sister and my brother, they were all diabetics. So I accepted the diabetes side of everything. But as a human um, or person that wants to live a normal life, right. you, you, you want to join the crowd. You want to. And, and that's when I, for, for a few years, actually went out, you know? John? Right here on the Heart of Innovation, we're going to hear what happens next in Sally Hendricks' story. So stay with us. 
three years ago, my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not, because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD, peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are the way to my heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients. And we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.com. Org or call our Legsaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life and limb could depend on it. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We're live on AM860. We're doing a Save My Piggies podcast. We're talking with Sally from South Africa. Sally was diagnosed at an early age with uh, diabetes. And and kind of before, I asked you two questions before we went to break. I, th- I think you helped me with the first one. But the second one, you know, we're obviously in the U.S. You're in South Africa. This is in the 80s during apartheid. Share with us the medical care that that you're getting, not only as it pertains to a young kid with diabetes, but also being a a black South African as opposed to a white South African during apartheid. Um, John, um, there again, um, I wasn't sent to the best of the hospitals. And... What actually came about was that there was a, which to my understanding at that time, there was a couple of misdiagnoses of um, the medication that I actually got. Um, They thought that I had a heart condition, um, not knowing that it was my kidneys. And um, with the high blood pressure um, not coming down, they gave me extremely which they say um, high dosage of blood pressure tablets. And that made me uh, um, go into a dizzy spell continuously because my blood pressure came down too fast. And um, into the second year, it was still the public uh, sector. And um, it was a, a way that I think my mother became frustrated in them not knowing exactly what tablets to actually give me. I mean, I wasn't sent to the labs or, um, sorry, or my blood samples wasn't sent to the labs to be tested for specific types of tests on. Um, it was just tested uh, to see if I was a diabetic, um, if I had any problems with the kidneys. And um, 
Continuing in that way, I was transferred to another hospital, which I mentioned, the Somerset Hospital, and there I met Professor Keaton, you know. And if it wasn't for him diagnosing me with diabetes insipidus and then giving me the correct treatment and surviving that four years until the age of 17, that in that process of seeing him, um, he actually said that I might have been uh, suffering of this condition at a younger age, and nobody actually knew. And, um, you know, may God rest my mother's soul. I mean, she was a very, um, how can I say, believer in herbal medicines, you know, uh, because um, the chemical medicines are, were too expensive, or the doctor's visits were too expensive. So... Being in, in that era, in the 80s, um, it was actually hard for me because I missed out a lot on school. And um, I think the blessing came in at, at 17 when I became um, a diabetic uh, with mellitus, you know. And um, there again, the healthcare system was again very basic. But I got the basic, which is a combo. Um, insulin. It wasn't um, the long-acting and the short-acting insulin uh, separately. And my sugar levels were tested once a month. That's when I went to hospital every month because um, CGMs wasn't that, um, how can I say, in the limelight as to say as a product or a medical care uh, um, mechanism in the 80s. So the hospitals were the only ones that had these machines and um, I only knew what my readings were, or I had to actually use, which they call the yellow tape, you know. And um, the yellow tape, you, uh, you had to actually dip into your pee, and um, you had to watch which color green it turns. And mine was always avocado green. Yeah, you know? I mean, I think the, the analogy there is... Yeah. If you, if you ever if you have a pool and you're checking the chlorine level or the pH, you you know you, that's how you would adjust it. So you're obviously you, you got a lot that you're dealing with with respect to your, your medical issue, the diabetes. Um, take us now. So you're in your early te- your, your your late teens, early twenties, um, kind of getting to grips. When when did you if when did you start developing? Uh, some of the, the the complications from diabetes uh, with respect um, to vascular issues and um, as such? I think that started at the age of 25. Oh, wow. That's my, yeah, my veins actually burst behind my eyes, and um, I actually had to have emergency laser operations in both my eyes at the same time. And... Um, they saved my sight, and uh, but the left eye they saved because at that stage, um, for quite a few years, um, they actually said they don't want to declare me blind in my left eye. They want to see the progress of the treatment. So at 25, um, I was actually working already, and um, there again, I was under Professor Keaton, and the, the best part of being with Professor Keaton, he was actually a 
and I, I don't take it wrong, he was a genuine doctor. Because there was a time that I could not afford some of the medications. And he had a private practice at um, the hospital, uh, the Christian Barnard Hospital, Memorial Hospital, um, which only the rich could actually afford. And he treated me for a few months under his own uh, costs and actually visiting him, and he gave me the medication. Um, but be it that, I, I really appreciated what or the journey that I went through with the people caring for me. And after the operations, um, I thought to myself, this disease can either kill me, or this what went through my mind, or I have to look after myself. And from, can say, after, I mean, I adjusted myself with lifestyle changes and everything, and I immediately went out of that denial stage of diabetes is my normal. Yeah. I can't and, live. And that was okay. And once you accepted yeah. that, then you were able to move forward and actually persevere. And we're going to get to that next part of your journey coming up next right here on this Part of Innovation Save My Biggies special. So stay with us. Yes, you can have a heart attack, a stroke, and be at risk for amputation if you are under 50. Hello, I'm Kim McNicholas, founder and CEO of patient advocacy organization, The Way to My Heart, with this week's medical notepad brought to you by Abbott. I get this question all the time. I'm in my 30s or I'm in my 40s and my doctors are brushing off my chest pain and leg pain because they say, oh, you're too young to have blocked arteries in your heart or in your legs. Well, could I be at risk? The simple answer is yes. While your greatest risk of cardiovascular disease and peripheral artery disease is over the age of 50, diseases of the arteries throughout your body can strike at any time, depending on your individual risk factors. Here are a few things to consider. Maybe you want to check your family history. Did anyone in your family ever have a heart attack early on or have what we call a leg attack, which is those blocked arteries in your legs that cause your blood flow to be restricted to your feet? Have you smoked or do you still smoke? Maybe even vape. Do you have type 1 or type 2 diabetes? Are you even pre-diabetic? Do you have an autoimmune condition such as Crohn's disease or lupus? Do you have genetic clotting issues? Do you have high blood pressure? Do you have high cholesterol? Are you on hormone therapy? Have you had COVID or the COVID vaccine and ended up with blood clots or cardiomyopathy? If you said yes to any one of the risk factors mentioned, well, yes, it is possible. Of course, that's not an exhaustive list, but it is enough to give you at least some confidence to say to your doctor, hey, I have chest pain or I have leg pain. Would you mind ordering some testing to see if I have cardiovascular disease or even peripheral artery disease or maybe some other vascular issue? 
If they don't listen, find someone who will. Your life and limb may depend on it. With this week's medical notepad brought to you by Abbott, I'm Kim McNicholas, founder and CEO of patient advocacy organization, The Way to My Heart. Remember, the advice and views offered in this series are for informational and educational purposes only. Always check with your own provider and get explicit permission before acting on any advice or information offered here. If you want more information on diabetes, one of the risk factors, go to diabetes.org. If you have questions about heart disease, go to heart.org. And for information on peripheral artery disease, go to thewaytomyheart.org. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. Again, we want to thank Sally for joining us uh, for this Save My Piggies episode. So, Sally, as we before we went to break, you touched on a couple things. You started to develop some of the complications from your diabetes, particularly with the eyes. But you also said to yourself, okay, I'm not going to throw the towel in. I'm going to either kind of lace up my shoelaces and, and get moving and tackle this disease. I'm not going to let it let it kill me. Unfortunately, however, you started to develop some of the vascular complications related to diabetes, ultimately developed peripheral arterial disease. And unfortunately, you've had now an AKA, meaning an above-the-knee amputation, on the right side. So share with us how that transpired and then share with us how you're fighting to keep the left leg um, on. And, and I know you have all five piggies on that side, and we want those saved, right? Yes, we do. Yeah, uh, John, um, my journey after the laser operations for 20 years, between the ages of 30 and 50, um, I took care of myself in every respect as a diabetic. And in that period, it was where I went to the doctor and I said that my legs are paining, you know. And um, the only thing that was said, and I took it by heart, um, take the painkillers and take the calcium tablets. It will help. No ABI um you know, to test the, the blood flow between my arms and my ankles, nothing at all. I mean, knowing that I am a diabetic. And um, I took it for granted, right? Painkillers, calcium tablets will help, you know. And um, not knowing that I had pad at that stage. And uh, by going to another doctor and for a second opinion, they discovered that I had blockages, and um, I can't remember the medication which they gave and tried to actually see if they could get the blood flow and blockages because it wasn't that bad as they described to me, you know. But um, in 2019, that became the worst, where I used to park in the parking area and walk to the office. A walk that would take me five minutes would take me 20, 25 minutes to half an hour because I had to stop all the time because of 
claudication. I mean, I understand the term today, claudication. That was just camps and pains that I actually had. And um, coming back in 2020 from my vacation, um, COVID in its, uh, at the highest level, I went for a checkup and um, they gave me the full scan. Ultrasounds, everything. And they found three blockages in my right leg and um, one blockage in my left leg. And um, I was actually on treatment and um, round about, you can say, July. Things just became bad where I got an infection. I trod into something. I don't know what it was. And then I got an infection in my right leg. And... Um, did you have a wound that developed? I imagine you had a wound that developed on that foot. That's right, yes, sir. Because of what I actually walked into and I didn't actually take note of it. And um, this led to them checking everything. And um, after checking everything, they gave me treatment, but it couldn't actually heal. And that's when they said that they would actually try the revascularization. And... Um, in August, I had the bypass, and that didn't work. And um, September, I had stents put in, that didn't work. And um, when I saw my leg, not at a dark blue, but at a blackness, and they said, this is between life and death, we're going to have to do an amputation. And um, again, I asked them to check my circulation because they want to do below the knee. And I decided for above the knee. And I don't regret that. So this was actually a, 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 a new opening to a journey of an amputee, a diabetic amputee. And so how, old were, how old were you at this time? Um, I was uh, 54. Yeah, 53, 54. And uh, being 57 now, it is something that uh, the, the, the journey for me, it is a blessing that I made that decision on my own. Um, I suffer from PAD um, in a way that I try to take care of my blood flow to the best that I can in my body. Being a diabetic with um, uh, kidneys, eyes, um, fatty liver, um, pad, amputation. Um, it is actually, it is hard to accept it. Because with my amputation, I mean, I cried every night. I went to bed crying, not knowing what could hit me next with the next condition of diabetes, you know. And advocating and and uh, going into um, awareness programs. Um, I mean, for, for all the years, I've always been doing diabetes advocacy and awareness programs amongst people or at communities, clinics. But um, the amputation took me to, to a different level of um, uh, advocacy. And research work became the priority in understanding um, or how I could best understand things in layman's terms. Because every doctor or specialist that I saw, I questioned them 
to the deepest of questions that maybe I, sometimes I didn't understand them because of the terminology, you know. And um, memorizing the terminology, I Googled it. And that's how I could understand things on what my condition was going forth for the next few years. And the fear was mobility. Um, and doctors speaking on your lifespan or hearing the corridors or something um, after amputation, three years, five years, then you're gone, you know. So I'm trying to prove that to many uh, specialists that I still see up to today when I reached my third year on the 19th of October and went in and I said, I'm still here, you know. So yeah. in the next two years, it's another battle where the five-year, you know, um, for the life expectancy of an amputation, um, could I go for 10 years, you know? So it, it, is, it is just hard in, in, in a way to relate to people. I mean, I've gone through my personal life. I mean, four marriages because people or my partners could not understand me. My moodiness of uh, diabetes, um, how would a woman accept me as a single man or, um, trying to just cope with life? And um, it is hard. So and that's the time doctors don't realize, you know, that really the, the, the pain and agony and the suffering that go along with this. And we're going to hear how you're trying to raise even more awareness and inspiring doctors to improve the care and improve the understanding and improve the outcomes for patients just like you. So stay with us right here on 860 AM, The Answer. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. We're kind of rounding third here with our show. We've only got a few minutes left. Sally, obviously, heart-wrenching story. You've lost your right leg. You've done and are still doing everything you can to save your left leg, which that in and of itself takes a lot of um, courage. But you are now an advocate for amputees, people with diabetes, people that have peripheral arterial disease. Tell us what you're doing to not only help yourself, but help others who, who suffer from this disease process. Um, John, the only thing that I can say is with my advocacy that I'm actually doing now is helping the patient cope with change, with all the new technologies that we have, um, with the conference happening here in uh, South Africa, for Africa, um, it is something that we actually wanting to get the technology out there, people, so that they can cope with change in the fairness of, in, in every sense with pumps for diabetes, for prosthetic legs, for people that long for prosthesis to live a better lifestyle. So with the advocacy that I'm doing is coping with change with all the new technology and new medicines. 
And so are you traveling for this? Are you galvanizing the doctors, the different advocacy groups that are there, the societies that are there? How are you going about this? Uh, Last year, I was in uh, Sweden, and uh, I did that on the platform from the European Association for the Study of Diabetes, and um, also in Lisbon for the IDF, that's the International Diabetes Federation, and I'm also doing shows for WHO, um, the World Health Organization, and um, I actually raise awareness on their platforms and um, share my lived experience for patients that actually suffer and would like to go forward in learning from. And um, also to various HCPs um, on the platform of at the University of uh, Cape Town, uh, to the physiotherapist uh, um, side that um, I'm very dependent on with the physiotherapy. So I deliver talks on moving forward on how important physiotherapies uh, therapists and I think are. I think we've come almost, we've come full circle here. We had that quote about this too shall pass and and letting time kind of carry you on. And again, you could have at any one of these time points mailed it in, quit, and frankly be dead right now. But you kind of let let trust the process, let it go, and look where you are now. Uh, John, to tell you the truth, 2023 was the hardest year where I almost gave up. In January 2023, I was burnt out. 2022 December, and um, like I told him, you know, picking up pieces um, after you can say February, March, April, May, um, it was literally picking the pieces up of myself to 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 give myself again to others. And the important words that I've actually learned from Kim um, in, for, uh, in our early discussions um, is. Look after yourself before you give to others. And 2023, I actually did that. I picked myself up and um, I took care of myself. And I don't want to lead into that burnout to give too much. And then I suffer at the out end. So as a patient advocate um, uh, in diabetes, amputation and NCDs, um, it's hard, but um, I love doing it. And that's a pleasure. Pre- you are such an inspiration. Thank you so much, Sally Hendricks. You're amazing. Thank you, Sally. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and Abbott. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room.
This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.